Let us go to God in prayer once more. Glorious God, when Jesus was baptized for your healing mission, the heavens opened in a flash of glory as vision and voice blazed upon the waters. May your spirit so burn in us that we hear your word translated into deed and follow Jesus in paths of justice, right relationship, and peace. Amen. Our first reading from this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. You can find it on page 623 of the Bibles in front of you if you would like to read along. However, if you read along, just be aware that the version I'm reading from is slightly different from the version you have in front of you, so don't get too lost. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk, through fire you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, and then 21 and 22. You can find it on page 891 of the Bibles in front of you. Again, listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He took his winnowing fork, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. 
Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Word of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer once more. <clears throat> Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. May your Spirit come upon us. May your Spirit work upon us, that we may hear what you have to say to each and every one of us today. Amen. Do not fear. This instruction, or some variation of it, is among the most common commands in the Bible. Whenever the people of Israel are anxious, God declares, do not fear. Whenever angels or messengers make themselves known, they declare, do not be afraid. Jesus oftentimes tells his audience, his disciples, to not be afraid. It's, it's a phrase that appears throughout Scripture more time than I can count, and I tried. There were a lot of them. Even though it's a commandment given to those who trust in God throughout Scripture, it's not something that we're very good at, this whole do not be afraid thing. Even though we're told time and time again to trust in God, to not live in fear, we do it anyway. We live in fear. We are a fearful people. Now to be fair, it's not all our fault. The 24-hour news cycle, which, by the way, is an industry whose first concern is with ratings and profits, that news cycle feeds us new terrors, manufactured threats, overblown safety concerns, because fear feeds that cycle. Fear feeds the ratings. Fear feeds the profit. Our politicians feed us overblown rhetoric, tell us lies about their political opponents, and stoke the fires of international discord because it serves their political agendas and their pocketbooks. Organizations that represent arms manufacturers exist solely on the fear of the populace, and their rhetoric reflects that. We are a fearful people, and we are being exploited for that fact, for the benefits of others. But God says, do not fear. Jesus says, do not be afraid. 
And this morning's reading from Isaiah, God is addressing the people of Israel. So at this point in Israel's history, they have been conquered by Babylon. They are in the middle of what historians would call the Babylonian captivity. They have been torn from their homeland and not of their own free will. Jerusalem has been destroyed, her walls torn down, and her temple brought low. The majority of the Jewish people have been carried off to a foreign land where they desperately cling to the last remaining vestiges of who they are as a people. They are afraid that their God has abandoned them. They are afraid that their nation, that their people will forever be scattered. They are afraid, and God says to them through the prophet Isaiah, Do not fear, for you are mine. God assures Israel that they have been called by name, that they will be protected no matter what they face. God assures Israel that though they may pass through high water, God will protect them. God assures Israel that though they may pass through flame and fire, God will protect them. Fear not, God says, for you are mine. Fear not, for you are mine. In the Presbyterian tradition, baptism serves in part as a reminder that God has marked us as God's own. Baptism, that little sprinkling of water, serves as a visible and real reminder, a sign and a seal, to use the official language, of God's grace acting in our lives and working Within us. In this morning's gospel text, we see the baptism of Jesus. Obviously, Jesus' baptism is a little different from our own, but we're told that after his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily in the form of a dove, and all present heard God say, You are my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. After his baptism, God takes that opportunity to affirm who Jesus is. In baptism, God marked Jesus as God's own Son. In the same way, in baptism, we are reminded that God has marked us and claimed us for God's own. In this morning's ordination and installation service, we will have a portion of the service where we will be reminded of our baptism. Those who are being called to serve the church will be reminded that God has called them, that God has marked them as God's own. But that reminder is for all 
who are baptized. For all who are called to be part of this strange, weird little thing that we call church, we have been called by God. We have been marked as God's own. And in the Isaiah text, God does just that for the people of Israel. God calls them. God marks them as God's own. He tells the people of Israel, suffering though they are in exile, that God has called Israel by name and claimed them as God's. God declared that as Israel wades through the waters, God will be with her. God declares that the rivers shall not overwhelm her. God declares that when Israel walks through the fire, she shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume her. These are the promises of the God who declares that Israel need not be afraid. God declares to Israel that they are precious in the sights of God, that they are honored and that God loves them. God has marked them as God's own. We see throughout the Gospels and the Epistles that we, too, are called by God. We are called to serve. We are called to worship. We are called to reconciliation. Just as Israel was precious enough in God's sight to give the nations as a ransom for her, for her safety, so too are we precious enough in God's sight that, he, that God gave God's Son as a ransom for us. We too are precious in the sight of God. We too are honored by God. We too are loved by God. The Gospels and the Epistles affirm God's great love for the world. They affirm God's great love for God's children. So why then are we such an anxious, fearful people? Why then do we allow fear to dictate so much of our lives? Why do we buy into the profit-based fear-mongering from our own news networks? Why do we buy the lies peddled by our politicians intended to sow the seeds of fear? God says, do not fear. Jesus says, do not be afraid. And why are we afraid? We're afraid because that's who we are. Even the best of us have trouble living lives that reflect complete trust in God. Due to the corrupting nature of sin in our lives, we can't put our complete trust in God as much as we would like to. The relationship between God and ourselves is damaged. Though we have been claimed by our Creator, we still have a hard time trusting that our Creator 
is bracing us as we cross the rivers. We have a hard time trusting that our Creator is shielding us as we walk through the flames. We're not good at this whole faithful living thing. It's easy for us to be overwhelmed by all that's going wrong in this world. It's easier for us to be overwhelmed than for us to take a step back and remember that God has claimed us, that God is watching us, and we don't need to be afraid. And that's why do not fear is the most repeated command in the Bible. It's the one we need to be reminded of the most. We're more like the people of Israel than we'd like to admit. Do you remember the story of the golden calf? It seems that Moses was gone for about five minutes after God had led them out of Egypt, and already the people of Israel had thought, God had abandoned them. Are we really so much different in our daily lives? Are we not just as fickle as the people of Israel? Do we not see ourselves in the rise and fall of Israel? But in our story, just like in Israel's story, our God has called us. Our God has claimed us. Our God has redeemed us. So, beloved, do not fear, for we are God's.